for joining me for the Plant Yourself Podcast. I'm your host, Howie Jacobson. Today, I welcome back to the show my friends Bianca and Michael Alexander. This is their three-peat, and now they're big time, but you can go back into the archives and see that I knew them when. So Bianca and Michael have had a show for a long time called Conscious Living TV. It was self-produced on their website. They made a deal eventually with Amazon Prime, and now they're on PBS, public broadcasting. So people, normal, ordinary people who aren't plant-based or necessarily into yoga and retreats and massage and all the cool stuff, ordinary, regular folks are getting a dose of conscious living uh, on their TVs every week. So I binged watch a bunch of episodes from the first season, and I kind of got jealous. Like, boy, that's a heck of a life to travel around, go to um, Ayurvedic spas in Bali and taste the best vegan pizza in the world in Berlin and go to music and yoga festivals. You know, it's a, it's a dirty job, but somebody's got to do it. And I can't think of two better people to engage in this work and bring it to us than Bianca and Michael. And you'll find out why in this conversation. So without further ado, Bianca and Michael Alexander, welcome back, back to the Plant Yourself podcast. Thanks for having us. It's good to be back, back. <laughs> yeah. So I've immersed myself in your world. You have a... Um, a TV series on PBS. This is a, a, a big deal. Congratulations. Thank, Thank you. you so much. We are thrilled to bring Conscious Living to the masses. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm one of them masses. So uh, <laughs> I've, I've, I've been binging on it. And let's, let's just start with, uh, like, what's, what's the show about? Well, Conscious Living for us is really our journey to try to be more mindful humans. And so, you know, on that journey, which has spanned pretty much, you know, from the time that we first got together and got married, we've um, covered everything from um, vegan fashion and food, you know, the plant-based diet, as you know, is such a huge way that we can be more mindful just vibrationally, as well as, you know, minimizing our carbon footprint. Um, we travel the globe covering adventures from yoga retreats in the Himalayas to, um, you know, some of the best eats from Bali to Berlin. And, you know, yeah. along the way, we try to be as mindful as we can while, you know, turning the camera to those who seem to, to be uh, masters at, at, that, at that journey that have taught us as well. So. That's really what the show is about. Everything mindful and, um, you know, the journey to try to live up to that, which is often yeah. where the work really begins. Yeah, I'd, I'd say it's, uh, you know, in, in it's us doing our assembling best to be conscious. <laughs> Oftentimes, um, we're two of the least conscious people we know. <laughs> uh, and uh, as our last shoot uh, would attest, at least for me. And, um, <laughs> you know, but but inside of that, you know, conscious living is really about how do we be uh, better humans? And what does that look like? Um, the good, the bad, the ugly. And uh, and so, um, you know, so that's really what what conscious living has been for us and what is for us. What, what did you mean by that last shoot? What? Oh, just, you know, I mean, it, it's the, Every uh, shoot. <laughs> yes, I, uh, you know, really this journey has been for me, um, there's been a lot of pain, you know, uh, producing this show for 15 years independently. And, um, and I struggle in many instances, particularly inside of work, because there's all these like ideas of who I need to be and what I need to be. And, you know, patriarchy and entitlement and, you know, all these things that, that have me believe that I should be a certain way or I should be acting a certain way. And I really struggle, you know, as the uh, main uh, director of photography for the, for the show in many instances is like, you know, I struggle with, you know, am I good enough? Should I be, should I be the one doing this? Or is there somebody better to do this? Mm -hmm. and, and a lot of times it, it really, you know, uh, I really struggle with that. And it, it makes it difficult for me to sort of be present and be conscious. And I think, you know, that's kind of the, an aspect of what conscious living is, is like, okay, you know, it's one thing to be mindful on the mat, or in the meditation, but it's another thing to really sort of, um, you know, be mindful in the battlefield of life. Um, you know, this is really what it's what it's like when you're, when you have kids, or you have work, or you have businesses, like, how can we maintain and evolve 
um, while we struggle through it. And we just heard a quote from from Paramahansa Yogananda, and he said, a saint is a sinner who never gave up. And, you know, he didn't believe that people necessarily were sinners. Um, but just as a as sort of like a, a meme, it's the idea that, you know, we all stumble, um, but we just got to keep getting up and, and doing our best and sort of lead the rest to uh, the divine and sort of let the outcomes and our attachment to the outcomes and attachment to what things look like sort of uh, rest at the feet of, uh, of the divine and the universe. So anyway, so that's, that's what I, uh, that's what last, uh, the last shoot that we just wrapped yesterday was, was like for me. Okay. Well, there's enough to unpack in what you guys both have just said to, to talk about nothing else. But I want to see if we can, we can hit all those points in the context of, of the show itself. Now you say you've, you've been at this for 15 years. Uh, we met 2014. So seven, seven and a, and a half years ago. Um, was there anything different now that you're on PBS? Do you have more resources or are you thinking about your audience differently or is it just, you know, same deal and we just upload it to a different uh, website now? <laughs> I'd say a combination of both. And we must say just where we met uh, 2014, pretty auspicious meeting uh, on, on the ocean on a cruise on the vegan cruise, the holistic holiday at sea, which I haven't been back since. I would love to go back and, and film a story on that again, but it was amazing. Just like a buffet of the best vegan food three times a day. And then we, we met you there. So um, pretty auspicious, but yeah, I mean, at that, at that time we were, um, you know, still doing in many respects what we're doing now, which is just trying to be the change we want to see in the world and then bring that to the world. I mean, obviously our platforms have uh, evolved uh, quite a bit since then. You know, we're now on Amazon Prime, three uh, seasons, and then our latest season, and then coming up, we're greenlit for another follow-up season on PBS, which will be airing in 2022. So yeah, our distribution, our reach has has grown exponentially. I think the messages and the spirit of, of where we're coming from, which is really just being transparent, you know, transparent and authentic as to what our journey is. And, and, you know, we've, we have gotten more feedback from viewers requesting to see more of what our journey is, you know, cause we're mm. so, I think maybe humbly thinking that the people that have the answers are the people that we're, we're filming, like, okay, we're filming, you know, these great, you know, mindful Buddhist monks and we're filming, you know, talented organic gardeners and we're filming, you know, ethical designers around the world because they seem to have, you know, answers that we're all looking for, but, what some of the fans and our distributors have requested is we want to see more of your journey and like, why did you choose to be in this destination? And, you know, what is your journey to get to this point? And what are you feeling? And so, you know, we're turning the camera more on ourselves. So that Uh is is, is definitely different and definitely, you know, and I think it's a reflection of, as Michael was saying, you know, that willingness as we evolve and grow, you know, spiritually and as producers to be more introspective about like what's motivating what we're doing and not just what we're doing in the final product and how many viewers and how many sponsors, et cetera, et cetera, but like who we're being inside of that journey, who we're being on the shoots when we're telling a story about a great mindful resort in Los Angeles, like, are we being mindful (laughs) as we're telling that story? And, you know, that has been, I think, much more enriching um, for us uh, recently than maybe the the previous seasons. So we're growing along with the show and along with our viewers. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes. One one of the notes that I took was um, sort of, you know, if this is the first time people are seeing the show that you guys are a little bit of blank slates. Yeah. Right. And so I was, I have like, the question was like, are there, are there plans to reveal more of yourselves? Absolutely. For sure. Absolutely. I mean, you know, there is always that balance of, you know, saying, well, it's not about us and like, Oh, look at me. I have a show. Who cares? Right. It's like what we care about is the fact that we all hurt. We're all looking for answers. We all want to feel a connection to, you know, a higher power. We all want to be loved. We all want to be seen um, and we want to feel connected. And so I feel like those universal traits and characteristics is, is what we feel. And by sharing more of that and sharing more of our, our struggles inside of that, right. Yeah. You know, inside of this planet. And we've got, you know, it's a lot of potentially scary things happening 
from a pandemic to global warming and the animals are hurting and people are hurting and we've got, you know, different races fighting each other and the gender wars and all these other things that are happening and unfolding, you know, I think it's just a great backdrop, you know, or canvas to see how we can think more mindfully and can we be better? Can we do better? And really it's, it's not even about like, you know, some sort of platitude to reach, but more about the journey. What does the journey of introspection and living mindfully look like? It isn't always pretty. Um, And I think showing our viewers what that's like for us, Mm -hmm. which I think has been fun for us because it's like, well, we're going to be authentic anyway. So it's like, you know, it makes it easier because we're just being ourselves. Um, But I think it also helps people to not feel, you know, a lot of times it's like, particularly in the vegan movement, there's so much pressure to like be perfect. And like the angry vegan is kind of like a meme. Right. And so it's like, okay, no judgment, just opening up, you know, our hearts and opening up, you know, turning on the camera and saying, this is what we're going through right now. And how many people can relate like everybody. So it's been very freeing. I think, I think for us to do that and we hope to do more of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, you know, I think also given the, the nature of the pandemic and really the nature of the show itself as a travel series, um, you know, inherently in travel, there's like this process of discovery. And when you get out of your, um, you know, your comfort zone, you're really forced to, um, you know, be in a different uh, situation. In like our comfort zone, we can hide in our comfort zones, we can hide in our routines, we can hide. And we're really not necessarily forced with things that require us to introspect or to look within. And I think that's a big aspect of just the process of of journeying for for us and and also you know as bianca said we are our relationship just happens to be at this intersection of so many different elements of what the world is dealing with right now from race to gender to um you know roles within a household to um you know to to patriarchy and what's justice and what's not justice and so you know, if you take those things inside of just our reality and then, you know, in our relationship and then you sort of put them against the backdrop of this really, play, you know, interesting place that we've never been before. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's been some really interesting uh, experiences that we've had in Asia um, just on the on the on the race tip that have been really, um, really fascinating. Hmm. So, um, I mean, let's let's like talk about the show, just the, you know, the, the nuts and bolts a little bit, just so people who haven't watched it um, have, have some background. And then I'd love to get into some of these issues. So the fir- first one, you, uh, you do all, all things um, vegan and eco and ethical in Berlin. And then you're, you're in Bali and Hawaii and um, resorts and re- you know, retreats and meditations and massages and, uh, um, India and the Ganges River. So what, like when you sit down to plan a season, is it like, gee, where do we want to go? Is it like spin the globe and throw a dart? Is it like, how, how do you, like, what, what do you, what do you want the, uh, you know, the arc of the experience to be for yourselves and for viewers? Yeah. I mean, I think the experience that we're looking for for ourselves is the same one for the viewers. We want to be challenged and, you know, sort of have our eyes and our imagination, our hearts, you know, burst wide open with things we haven't experienced before. So obviously healing and spirituality and sustainability and vegan food is an essential just cornerstone of every single episode we produce because that's a cornerstone of our lives. So, you know, when we travel, whether it's, you know, here in Palm Springs, LA or Indonesia, we're always looking for, you know, great yoga, great meditation, a beautiful, hopefully sustainable accommodations and, you know, a journey into wellness and our own psyches and the local culture that will, you know, hopefully um, wake us up to a different part of ourselves that, that we haven't experienced or, or remind us of, of parts of ourselves that, you know, we're kind of latent in our overly Western material kind of lifestyle and culture. So I think the spirit of what drives us is that. And then a lot of times, you know, similar to when we first got married, neither one of us had been to Asia ever, you know, and I'd lived in Europe and he traveled, both of us have been around the world, but never Asia. So we said, okay, let's go to Asia. You know, so literally a lot of it is just the spontaneity of let's go somewhere we've never been before, just so that we can discover something new about ourselves and discover what it's like to sort of plant ourselves in a new environment and, and, you know, the adventures and the humor 
and the excitement pretty much unfolds from there. So there's, there's really no linear process. It's, it's very organic. And, and also, you know, inside of that, like, for example, the Berlin episode, which is the first one on this season, you know, it came from us saying, OK, we want to we went to Berlin under the auspices of, of speaking at a, a healing hotel conference. And so inside <laughs> of that, it was like, OK, we're here in Berlin. It's a really cool city. We want to eat really well. Where do we go? And, um, you know, and and so we we went to a, a restaurant and then discovered another restaurant. And there using was... the Happy Cow app. Let me say that. that yes, was like a, yes. Uh-huh. That's yes. like a compass for anywhere we go. And it actually is kind of like, you know, a catalyst for some really cool adventures, places we'd never see or visit, but for where the app is telling us. Anyway, yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And then, you know, and, and then we went to a. a you know, fashion and ethical fashion and, and workers' rights is really important to us. And there was a meetup for the Berlin, um, you know, branch, the German branch of this organization that we've been a part of. And they were hosting, a, a you know, a, a fashion a flash mob runway show in front of this fast fashion, you know, retailer. And so we went there. And, and it was we... to celebrate Fashion Revolution Day, which right. is a big day celebrating, you know, the spirit of the, the workers who are making our clothes and finding out, asking the question, who made our clothes, which many people never, never ask. And so we've been a part of Fashion Revolution for years and just so happened that this meetup was happening in Berlin while we are there. We had no idea. And then this big fashion show where they're basically protesting, you know, the big box, you know, retailers that are, you know, forcing mostly women and people of color to labor under just inhumane working conditions so that we can, you know, buy a t-shirt for $5. So it's just like all these things that were connected to who we are. I just feel like the path of conscious living is just like being authentic and letting your heart sort of drive you to whatever is next. Right. And, and not having sort of a linear, we've got to go here and agenda. It can be easy to be like that when you travel, but just being open. And then the serendipitous kind of connections that happen are things you couldn't have planned. Like had we planned that Berlin episode, there's no way it would not have come out the way that it did, but it just sort of organically sort of documented every aspect of what we look for when we travel. Um, and we try to uh-huh. do that every episode. We never know what it's going to be. You know, it's yeah. like often in times until we get there and the cameras start rolling and other things emerge. So it's, it's like the universe comes through the camera and through the journey and we're just along for the ride. <laughs> yes. And sometimes our stomach and sometimes our stomach drives us as well. Uh huh. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's clear from some of the loving videography of the meals. Yeah. Love food. Love to shoot. Yeah. Love so food. so so <laughs> let me ask you something because you you guys are documentarians to yeah. you know and you talk about being authentic. So I'm just wondering, like you, there's nobody else with you, right? You don't have a crew. You don't have someone holding a boom mic. You don't have other uh, like people, you know. A, a crew going around with you. It's just the two of you. Is that right? Sometimes we have a crew, but most time, particularly for international destinations, just given a budget, you know, we're a very low budget show independently produced, independently funded for the most part. Yeah. Like we're traveling as, as light as we possibly can. And, and for us, you know, it's been interesting because it's, it's forced us to like turn the camera on ourselves. So in most of the shoots you're seeing, it's each of us filming one another, which is like amazingly worked out and taking, taken us as far as PBS, which is kind of hard to believe at Amazon Prime. It's like, guess that's all we needed to do. It's like, we weren't either one of us trained as professionals in filmmaking. You know, we just taught ourselves because we wanted to document our journeys around the world. In fact, this last season that you see on PBS, like we weren't necessarily planning on producing a season uh, when we traveled. We were just like, okay, we're in Indonesia, we're in Bali, we're in India. Well, we got to at least document where we've been and what we're doing. And it turned into this amazing sort of culture. So it just, uh, you know, is part of, I think the, the blessing of kind of like, you know, ignorance, right? It's like, we don't know what we don't know. We're just turning on the camera and seeing where it ends up and, and it's gotten this far, which is really just a, an amazing blessing. Yeah. So, so my question is like around like being authentic. So like if you, if it was just you guys and so, you know, you you both went to that, um, the karma, I can't remember the, the karma thing in Bali that is like, say you did like a seven or 14 day detox retreat. Uh, the Panchakarma, yeah. Panchakarma, right. And so like there's very intimate moments of you sort of, you know, detoxing, suffering, releasing. And like I'm imagining like if you guys were just going through it and there was a film crew on you, you guys could focus on yourselves. But you're also while you're going through it, you're producing the show of yourselves 
going through it. There's also there's also moments like when you did your your um, Mexican vegan Mexican fiesta meal where you can see there's a shot of the guests walking up to your house and you welcoming them. And clearly, like that was like staged and like, you know, someone's following them to do it like like there, you know, it's it's like there's you're you're using like fictional techniques to tell a true story. And I'm wondering, like, how you how you navigate is that is, is that something that you that you consider, or is just like here's how documentarians do it? Yeah, I mean, I don't know that there's a way that documentarians do it. Um, you know, I think for us, it's very much um, as Bianca mentioned, and, and it's you have some really good points. It is, you know, how uh, you know there's always a consideration of how much of what we're sharing is. Um, is sort of fit for public consumption, right? <laughs> yeah. And so we want to make sure that that we're mindful about that there's a larger story being told here. And the story is about, you know, whether in, in that instance, that story was about the Panchakarma detox. Um, and so we're going through a journey of it. And so we try to share intimately what, what it's like for us. But then at the same time, I, al- I also do think it gives us an advantage to be able to take a step back and not sort of get overly uh, consumed with our own stuff. And, and, and so there's an opportunity to step back and say, okay, now what is this story and put on our producer hats or put on our executive producer hats and say, okay, now what is it? Where are we going with this story rather than just we're in it and we're just sort of in it. And that's, you know, that's an aspect of, um, of reality TV that I know that people like, but there's also, you know, what, what's so funny about reality TV, at least in the industry is that very little of it is actually real. It's highly produced. It's highly, you know, staged. There was a a gentleman yesterday I met who was in one of the big Bravo uh, reality shows. And he was saying, you know, there was nothing real about it. They did the same thing. And they said, you're going to say this, this, and this. So, you know, from, from our standpoint, we try to really sort of share, um, share that authentic journey and also be mindful of those other people here. And we want to honor them as well, that it's not just a party of two, it's a party of three or 3 million. Yeah. And, and let me add to that. The shoot where you said that, that we were being, you know, we staged the walking and we actually had a crew for that, a big crew on that one, on that particular, uh-huh. the, the Cinco de Mayo episode. We were in a house in um, Long Island and like in the, near the Hamptons and we had a crew and, you know, there was this whole sort of journey of like being in this sustainable house and having a sustainable Cinco de Mayo, like summer, spring festival experience. But even in situations like that, I mean, because we're the executive producers of the show, we direct the spirit and the tone and the, the flavor and the flow of the show. You know, it is really important for us. I mean, at every moment, you know, being authentic and sort of sharing, okay, this is where we're at. We're also doing that and thinking, okay, well, how can this be beneficial for someone else? You know, can this piece of the journey where, you know, we're struggling in our detox and the Panchakarma in Bali, which is a a traditional Ayurvedic detox using the tradition of 5,000 years of of medicine where, where health is really a function of a balance between spirituality, your emotional uh, well-being, your psychological well-being, and your physical well-being, which is very different, you know, from sort of the allopathic Western sort of concept of what it means to be healthy. So in the Panchakarma, we were forced to really you know, dive deep into all of those layers. And, you know, we felt that that would be beneficial to people watching. And that's why we showed, I mean, because obviously in post-production, we have the power to edit and to cut out anything we want to cut out and to, you know, show what we want to show. But, you know, we are, we try to be very intentional about sharing those parts of ourselves authentically that are not necessarily the prettiest parts, you know, that are not necessarily the ones that, you know, cast us in the best light, because that's not what conscious living is about. It's about being present to wherever you are on the journey. And some days you're more conscious and other days you're not. And, you know, the journey of being mindful requires, you know, diving into those dark shadowy places and bringing light to them. And so we want to make that process more accessible and more, I think, less stigmatized um, versus, oh, I'm a yogi, I'm vegan and everything's perfect. And I've got it all figured out. And I know exactly where I'm going on my entire itinerary and my life is perfect. It's like, completely not true, right? For anyone, right? And so making sort of the journey of dealing with the ugliness and the messiness much more visible, I think for us is like a key part of, you know, our storytelling process. So 
you go to a lot of you know, what I would consider sort of exotic locations and you have, you know, some really off the beaten track experiences. I wonder how do you want to connect that to your audience? Do you see like a lot of people who watch thinking like, oh, I'm going to go to do that retreat in Bali or can we, you know, can we sort of model you in our own regular lives? Because, you know, I like as I was watching episode after episode, I was feeling both like really inspired and also frankly jealous. <laughs> a lot of people say that. I mean, it's like there's so many places we want to go and so many people doing amazing things that we're jealous of all the time. And sometimes that inspires us to like go and like, you know, cross that thing off your bucket list. And I know that it's not necessarily particularly for anyone, um, you know, the most accessible to, to jump on a plane and travel across the world. Not everybody can do that. And there's times where we weren't able to do that. And I think, you know, we hope to allow our viewers to live through us. So when we're going to the, the Tirta Impul Temple to get, you know, the water healing and the water blessing, we hope that our viewers feel that they too are getting a blessing. And we try to put ourselves in the, in the place of the viewers. So it's like, okay, you may not be able to go and do this, but you can do it through me or you can do it through Michael. And, and a lot of the sort of medical, like holistic treatments that we do that we're both guinea pigs for, it's the same thing. Things that many people won't try, but it's like, okay, I'll be your guinea pig. And you can sort of live it through us. And that's, that's the hope um, that the experience translates and it's universal because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter, you know, where you go, it's where you're at, you know? So it's like, what are you bringing to those places? And that's something that I think everybody can identify with, you know, wherever, wherever they are. And I think also, you know, a lot of times we, we hear from viewers and they're, you know, things that may have, they may have seen years ago um, on the show, they end up sort of fulfilling several years later or a few years later. And, and what we find is that a lot of times uh, that we're just dropping seeds of possibility in people and saying, hey, this kind of experience is possible. You could go to this incredibly beautiful place in Bali and you could have a detox or you, it's possible to, you know, to go vegan for 10 days and go through what you're going through and, you know, sit on the toilet for what seems like entirely too long. Um, but you can come out on the other side of it and you can feel better and you can feel lighter. And so that's, a, I think, a big piece of what we're trying to do is say, hey, you know, there is a there is a world of possibility out there. And I think particularly in these times where we're so divisive and we're we're dividing it at at, you know, at, at these not just racial divides, but now political divides. Now, families within families are not speaking to each other because of who you voted for once every four years. And it's like, you know, part of what we're trying to do is to bring, uh, you know, to bring our humanity and bring us together as a human species and say, hey, listen, we're all part of this same family. We're all human and we're all going through it. And, and, and so if we can begin to focus on that and celebrate that, celebrate the diversity celebrate and I find myself practicing and it's not always easy when I find out people's certain political beliefs can I sort of get in their world and and be curious as to what they're believing rather than immediately um, you know sort of jumping to to judgment and so I think that's part of the 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 aspect of the show that we're trying to do is to say hey let's celebrate our diversity and let's get curious inside of it. And I think one of the best ways to, to embrace that journey is by putting yourself and immersing yourself in a foreign environment, you know? And so traveling to international destinations around the world for us is kind of a way for viewers to say, Hey, look, they just plop themselves in the middle of nowhere and they're working through it. And maybe, you know, that can be a model for how to you know reach out and say hi to the neighbor that lives right next to you that you've never said hello to, right? I mean, it's a, it's a similar meme of, you know, getting outside of your comfort zone and being the change you want to see in the world. So one of, the, one of the interesting things about the timing for this is I've just come off watching half of the, the, the season of the, I think it's the HBO show, White Lotus. Are you guys familiar with it? Yes, yeah. I've watched just a few episodes. It's fun. It's fun. And it's also like a really difficult show, right? Because there's, um, you know, and, and like I kept on seeing sort of like comparisons and parallels to especially like your stay in Bali and like how so? what? Like how so? Well, so, I mean, the HBO show is kind of is, is looking at all these people and looking for their flaws, 
right? And you guys are going and looking for the beauty. Mm-hmm. But very, but a lot of the language is the same. Like when people are talking about like expressing my energy and vibration, True. like a lot, a lot of the really, really clueless people on White Lotus are using that language. And we, we you know, we know that there, there is a way in which this kind of spirituality is co-opted by capitalism. It's co-opted by narcissism, by egotism, and it's co- it's been co-opted quite a lot by sexual predation. And I'm, I'm, I'm wondering how you guys go about, you know, sort of either vetting or like keeping, you know, keeping a foot in both worlds of like, cause it's, you know, there's a lot of good people who've been taken in by gurus and there's a lot of good people who have been helped deeply by gurus. And I'm wondering how, you know, how, how you sort of navigate all that. Well, I, can I just quickly say, because I know you probably have a lot you want to say, and he's looking at me like, are you going to let me talk? <laughs> this is <laughs> what's constantly happening when you have We've never said that before. Alpha director, executive. <laughs> you heard it here, folks, first, folks. The journey to conscious living starts in your marriage, trust me. Um, I just want to say really quickly, one of the things for us, I think, is you know to avoid the spiritual bypassing is just being willing to, you know, we're not here to tell anyone else who they need to be or how they need to be spiritual or how they need to be mindful or what that journey needs to look like. So it's like, for us, it's like, all we're doing is sharing what our journey looks like. You know, there's no platitudes. There's no perfect way to be. There's no perfect way to be vegan. There's no perfect way to be an environmentalist. There's no perfect way to be a Democrat or Republican. And I think that sort of frees us from kind of the binary right, wrong paradigm, which locks so many of us into debate. So from that perspective, it's like, Hey, if new age is your thing, go for it. Hinduism, Judaism, whatever it is, you know, so that frees us to say, this is just what we're doing. We're not saying you need a guru, but our guru has, you know, illuminated our life and kept us together and brought us blessings beyond anything we could have possibly imagined. That's just our story. Yours may be something different. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great point. And I think, you know, also just to that end is like, how, how do we create a better world? I mean, fundamentally, that's what we're, that's our commitment. And for us, we believe that creating a better world looks like um, love. And it looks like focusing on the positive and focusing on the beauty. And inside of that, it certainly does not mean that you uh, allow for, um, you know, injustices, uh, a big piece of the show. And, and certainly this next season that will be airing next year, we're looking at, you um, you know, injustices, we, we, we're spending a, a fair amount of time and telling quite a few stories about, um, you know, social justice. And, and, and so for us, but I think at the end of the day, you know, we can look at each other's flaws. And, and part of us, you know, sharing how we share our stories is to say, look, we're really flawed. Like I'm so unconscious and, and appalled <laughs> at my own behavior sometimes. And this is after, you know, 20 years of meditation and, <laughs> and I've gotten a lot better and I, you know, and it's like, I'm not, you should have seen know, this before. I mean, <laughs> right. It's like, you know, it's ugly and, and yet it is humanity. Yeah. It is our humanity. And so part of what we're trying to, 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 to accomplish through the show is to celebrate Uh, our humanity and really look at the light that is within all of us, regardless of, you know, some, sure, some are choosing to express themselves in very negative manners, but, uh, and, and, and there are consequences and and there is karma for them, but there is also uh, the divine. There's also light in every single human being. And, and so regardless of how they're choosing to express themselves in this lifetime. And, you know, one of the stories that we, we're really deeply humbled to tell that's uh, part of episode 13, which I think you saw was, uh, was about this bhakti yoga organization that went into prisons. And mm-hmm. I was so profoundly humbled to be with men that, um, you know, admittedly had killed, uh, you know, one guy was spending life in prison for killing his best friend who was sleeping with his wife. And to be with him and to be with these men that, that have had these profound, made these profound mistakes, and yet to be with them inside of this place where they, some of them, not all of them, but some of them are freer spiritually and emotionally than, than just about any person I've ever met on the outside mm-hmm. world. 
That's so humbling. In captivity. In captivity. In captivity, they're reaching enlightenment. Right. I mean, we'll never see the light of day that we do. Right. And we're so less enlightened and so less conscious, yeah. you know, than people that are incarcerated. Yeah. So humbling. <laughs> right. Right. And so, so inside of that, there is a, a responsibility that they have taken uh, for themselves and for their actions. But there's also a, an innate acceptance that they too still, despite that, mm-hmm. are valuable, loved human beings that are having a human experience and that deserves to be honored and there's deserves to be respected. And we can actually learn from them inside of that. Yeah. Yeah. That was a really powerful uh, segment. And, you know, also what I found powerful were the words of the volunteers from Bhakti who went in there, this one woman saying like, I didn't want to do this, but my guru said, be generous. Um, And then, you know, saying like, these are, these are fully, human beings as full as anybody else. And, you know, you can, um, you know, I can, I can sort of do a check of my own assumptions of, Oh, someone's in prison. Like somehow I get to minimize their importance. Yeah. And their humanity. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it was just like, it's just humbling. And we see that for them, the, the elimination that they were able to achieve is a function of devotion and love and their meditation practice and their yoga practice. And it's like, wow. Like, you know, with practice, you know, perfection is, is possible. It's definitely as inspiring. And it's in that confined situation, they really have nothing else to do. So it's like, okay, if you really dedicate yourself, you can liberate yourself, right? That, that part of it is really, really inspiring. Um, but I do appreciate you, Howard, just acknowledging, you know, the cultural expropriation and, you know, the sexual predation and all the things that we're seeing sort of in what I call the, the, the movement of spiritual bypassing, which is, I think, a stage on, on sort of the, the stages to enlightenment to kind of uh, objectify spirituality and, and to commercialize it as something out there. Um, before we can bring it in and, and embody it and incorporate it as something in here. And I think that's the first step. So it's like, you know, we're all on different stages of the continuum. And, you know, eventually that step will lead to, a, you know, a deeper understanding, interest and appreciation. And so we embrace, we embrace that too. And, and, but we do have to check ourselves and make sure, am I like taking something from this culture that I'm not giving back to? Am I, you know, honoring the land. And that's something that everywhere we go, we, we do ceremonies with the land, with the indigenous, honoring with gratitude, the earth and honoring the people that walked on that land before we got there, um, which mm. is something that not a lot of places and practices do. And that's something we do at every single, every place we go, you know, whether the cameras are rolling or not, it's part of our own rituals to connect ourselves to, you know, that which is greater than us that's allowing us to be here. And that kind of helps us to kind of align with the energy and, you know, allows for things to move more smoothly and also humbles us to be open to guidance from those who have much more wisdom than we do, you know, so that, that keeps us, I think, in check. Yeah. We hope. Yeah. And that, I mean, that brings up like another of the parallels or, you know, iffy parallels between in my mind between white Lotus and what you guys are doing in, in that, you know, the, there's a tension between these ancient indigenous wisdom traditions and tourist capitalism. Yes. Totally. Very totally. Right. So. Yeah. I'm, I'm wondering, like, what, what you guys have seen and experienced and what, are, you know, what are the best places? What are the non-White Lotus places doing to respect and honor, you know, without expropriation, without, uh, st- you know, having the natives do their dance on, on the land you've stolen from their ancestors. What, what, what do you see as the best out there? Well, I mean, you know, you, 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 part of the, part of this whole journey is like, we're, we're in America, we're on stolen land. (laughs) And and it is the very nature of our DNA as Americans to, to be existing and walking through the world on stolen land. And this is not Columbus did not steal America. Columbus stole it. And, he didn't discover and it, you mean. He yeah. Did, yeah, right. He didn't he just he didn't discover it. And so inside of that, there is this, you know, this we our entire world is really recovering and beginning to sort of pull ourselves out of the the uh, the trappings of colonialism. And colonialism is in our mind. And our hearts. And it's in our hearts because you know, I'm a white man and I've walked through this world you know, in many ways, believing that the world should work for me and believing that it's okay to step on a brown neck or it's okay to, if I can, if I can buy, 
you know, a $5 shirt. It doesn't matter if a little child created it halfway across the world. Cause I don't know them. I'm sure they're fine. And it's like, that is the, that is the sort of uniquely American dark side of capitalism of this, you know, post uh, you know, post stage or late stage capitalism that we're in. And, and so, you know, part of what my journey has been, and I think part of what conscious living has been is being, being with an indigenous African-American woman who's, parent grandparents and great 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 grandparents on both sides of her family were slaves mm. and so i've benefited as a white man from the from the sort of history of that and so you know as we travel and as our show travels we are carrying both of those we're carrying both the lineage of slavery and sort of the worst if you will expressions of colonialism and we're also carrying the privilege of colonialism through me and so our journey has been okay what is your intention? And, and are you traveling with that? You know, it's, it is attention. It is attention within our relationship. It's in attention within our travels. There are a lot of false gurus. There's a lot of false prophets around. There's a lot of, you know, spiritual bypassing and I'm the guru and I have this and I have that. And we've seen plenty in Bali and Thailand and, and follow me Indonesia only and, 5,000 a week. Yeah. Right. And, 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 you know, and, and do this and, and you can share my seed and you'll be enlightened and, you know, all of these horrific things. And so, so, you know, that's, I think what's so unique about our journey is that we have this inherent tension that really forces us to question ourselves and question our beliefs. And inside of that, as we're traveling into these exotic places, really do so. And this is really where Bianca's, you know, leadership has come in because it was really a deeper appreciation than I would ever have of the indigenous. And, and really as this, you know, is this adventure? Is this thing that I'm going on? Is it really honoring the, um, you know, honoring the people? And is this, uh, is this about celebrating or is this about exploiting? And I think a big piece of that is like giving voice to the indigenous themselves. I mean, we don't need another white man telling us what the indigenous are doing or fighting for them. I mean, it's great, but it's like, you know, one of my goals is to really shine a light and let them speak for themselves and to tell their own stories and to tell their own journeys of deconstructing the colonization that has, you know, embodied all of us, you know, so that they have a voice. And that's just, I think, really my passion for justice is a big piece of conscious living, you know, very educated person, but didn't know anything about the planet, about health, about the connection, about who's making my clothes, about you know, what I can do to minimize my carbon footprint so that future generations, I wouldn't even be there to benefit, to have enough magnanimity in my own heart and enough generosity to care about someone other than myself, people that will be here long after I'm gone. And so I think that's a big piece of just being willing to kind of make ourselves less significant, you know, so that we can be open to wisdom that has been here for millennia, which, you know, we've forgotten. And I think the earth is suffering and humanity is suffering as a result. So one of the things I've noticed is like when you introduce a venue, there'll be lots of sort of long, slow um, sort of intro shots. I'm sure there's a name for that in the establishing shots, right? With, with voiceover, not from either of you, but from a representative of the venue. And so it's, you know, so often like the way I would want think this, like the story would be told in a linear fashion is you guys say, and now we are here and this is what it is. And then, but you start with the voice of someone else, very often an indigenous person or, you know, the Cocopello, Cocopelli flute master or the, was it Michal, the, the, bell, sacred, the dancing sacred dancer. Yeah. That episode was amazing. Yeah. Very incredible. <laughs> uh, it was an amazing experience. I mean, I, that, that was like a real challenge for me to be like, okay, what's my spiritual side? And what's my just, you know, horny side? Like, yeah, uh, I know. It's a lot of guys like that. So. <laughs> the women are beautiful. I mean, they're stunning and they can dance and they're just connected to their, their femininity and their sacred sexuality, which is a big piece of it. So thank you for admitting yeah. acknowledging that. <laughs> it's a part of humanity. Yeah. <laughs> right. But like the way, the way that you just sort of set up the story. Um, I wonder, is that, is that sort of a conscious decision to have the, the first voice we hear introducing the story not be your own? 
Yeah, I think, you know, as I was saying, it's important to, you know, allow the indigenous voices, the voices of our elders, the voices of wisdom that are intimately connected with the land to be our guides. Because, you know, on location, they're our guides. We're coming with our cameras from another place, from America, from a Western culture. Yes, I'm African-American, but it's like, I'm Western, I'm American, right? Um, And so honoring and giving precedence to those who typically don't have the microphone who typically don't have the camera in their faces, which we've all seen and heard, you know, to, to ad nauseum, I think for us is just authentic to how the journey unfolds. We're being guided by people who are allowing us with their grace and hospitality to set foot in, in their sacred places. And we, with deference, sort of bow our heads and our cameras, you know, and allow them to take us and our viewers on the journey. And I think for us, it feels the most honoring and, and the most authentic. Of course, we have our experience as well, but it's something that just felt authentic to us. There's no sort of, you know, following documentarian rules. Again, it's like none of us have any training in filmmaking. You know, we're just, you know, we're trained in the ways of the heart and, and listening to the, the cues of, 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 you know, our guides. And that's sort of how, how it's emerged. But, um, you know, something I hadn't necessarily noticed until you pointed it out. Yeah. And I, you know, and it's interesting that you say that, Howard, because, you know, I definitely feel that that, you know, inside of of um, of that storytelling, there is a um, a commitment to to get underneath the surface. And, you know, the, the the white lotus is really about, you know, what happens when you're only focusing on the surface and you have the nomenclature. You know, as uh, as as Morpheus told Neo in The Matrix, um, there's a difference between knowing the path and walking the path. Mm-hmm. And I think the our society has celebrated knowing the path mm-hmm. and we are really struggling. Uh, and at times it is a struggling doing our stumbling best to walk the path and to share what it's like to walk the path with our viewers. And, you know, it's not without you know, I, I think it's really exciting that we are on PBS because the fact of the matter is, Howard, is that, you know, there is a, a um, really all but non-existent voice of people of color and particularly women of color in the lifestyle genre on PBS. It is overwhelmingly white dominated to the point of almost non-existent other than Bianca um, that are, are both hosting stories and are on camera and behind the camera. And so that for us is really a key consideration inside of our storytelling is that many of these people have never seen an interracial couple uh, on camera that are watching our show. And many of them are, um, you know, uh, this is all new to them. So, so part of what we're mindful of is that how can we make it accessible how can we introduce these these concepts to people with love, without judgment, but also in a way that's authentic to um, to the fact that there is his story that we've all been trained that is about the white narrative and the white colonial narrative and the male narrative and the male narrative his story right. <laughs> Um, as she reminds me when I talk too much, uh, and that's just me under the table. Um, and then there's the and then there's truth. And oftentimes those are not the same. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, one of the things I, I noticed is <clears throat> the first time that sort of in, in the season that I watched that you sort of acknowledge that Bianca, you're a woman of color. Like you're just, you know, you're like in Bali, you're just going to these places like you are who you are, but it's not sort of sort of explicitly dealt with in the narrative. But the art um, exhibit in Chicago where where you and this the woman who's Nina I Dina Griffin yeah Dina yeah. Griffin who's yeah. the architect like well, one of like 100 or 250 uh, African American women architects in the world out of like over 100,000 and you're looking and she's got her name on the cornerstone and you both are celebrating yes. in a in a way that made me feel like, okay, so you, you, you've sort of come out as an African-American woman, which is kind of a weird thing to say, because it's not like you're hiding it, but, yeah. but sort of like as a public persona to say that this is, this is something noteworthy that I understand. And I'm going to bend down and touch this stone so that my, so that the audience understands that this is how, that how big a deal I find this. 
Yeah, 100%. I mean, it was such an honor to be able to just highlight her amazing talent, you know, at, you know, a, a building of such prestige, right? Um, the Art Institute in Chicago and the Modern Wing, which is a lead certified um, design, which she, you know, authored, you know, in conjunction with uh, the, the main uh, architect of record, Renzo Piano, um, who's an you know, amazing international architect as well. So, you know, being with her and hearing her story of, you know, being one of the, you know, talented 10th, you know, one of the privileged few that had the education and the opportunities and the access to get the, the opportunity to be, uh, you know, amongst those who were eligible, you know, um, was definitely, you know, a huge honor for person of any race and any gender, but particularly as an African-American woman, you know, we're in many ways, you know, sociologically, we're seen as sort of the bottom of the sociological, you know, power structure, you know, in America and in the world to reach, you know, a, a level of success and all the obstacles and all the odds and all of the opposition and the microaggressions and the sort of, you know, suppression and male domination and white domination that I personally have personally experienced, you know, at every single step that I've gotten to it. Lot of that it's not conscious you know it's not conscious on their part but it's very conscious and we're very aware of the impact of what it means to be a woman of color in america who's successful it triggers a lot for people you know it triggers sort of like aren't you supposed to be here versus there and and, and it's subconscious and so you're con- you're battling other people's demons that they're not even aware that they have so uh-huh. yes be, you know a woman an african-american woman in America, in a Chicago, in a place where, you know, just generations before, you know, her people and my people were considered chattel or property or slaves of, of, of another race because of nothing other than our skin color. Her name engraved on that cornerstone is, is a major milestone, not just for her, but for me and for all the ancestors who could never experience that type of success, who could never even be in the same room with a white person or even enter the building itself because of segregation. So, so absolutely. It was, um, you know, something that I think we need to see more and more of, and we're hoping to, to highlight that. And we're going to be doing a lot more stories about social justice and reparations in our next season on PBS. Yeah. Not only success, like, like, but like selflessness and generosity, right? Like, cause we see, like, I see stories of like, you know, okay. So now we, there's like, Oh, a black billionaire. And, and part, and like, I'm like, part of me is like, you know, good for that person. And part of me is like, oh, they've like, they're billionaires. They're they're (laughs) as bad as us now, you know, like, yeah. (laughs) But to to see success in terms of, you know, of healing the world, Mm. of not, of not losing, Mm. of, you know, of, you know, and I, I don't know if there's a way that I can say this does, doesn't make me into some kind of, a, of an asshole, but to say like, <laughs> you know, like when I, when I see, you know, just in terms of feminism, when I see women succeeding as well as men, that doesn't excite me as much as women succeeding and bringing women's qualities that have been lacking. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's not, to me, it's not just about, you know, great, you're the CEO or great, you're a, your net worth is a billion dollars but you haven't sacrificed your essence in order to, to do it. And it seems, you know, like we, you know, we need, we need to lift up people as themselves and not just say, okay, we're going to let, we're going to let a 10th of you succeed on our terms. Yeah, no, at 100%. And that's something that, you know, I think we, many of us want to see, and yes, you know, Dina's work as you know, bringing more sustainability to the planet, right, is a, is a huge thing. And just being an example of how beautiful and amazing sustainability can be, you know, at the highest level in this amazing art gallery with the Picassos and the Rembrandts, et cetera, et cetera, is just like, okay, that, that can be done. But I, I agree with you. It's like, it's something that I've often, you know, battled with and struggled with. And Michael and I have had many conversations of like, it's like, oh, it's okay for you to be here as long as you, you know, aren't too dark. It's okay to be married to a white man as long as you're not too dark and you could be maybe multiracial and your hair is straight, not too kinky and not too African. And, you know, we don't want to like intimidate the sort of pecking order and require white people to have to like look within and say, wait a minute, what is it about seeing a black man, a black woman walking down the street with a white man holding hands? That's so triggering. It's like, and it's okay if you kind of have your head down and like your tail slumped and you're kind of like, you know, but to walk as proud and spiritual and happy and in love, it's just kind of like, wait, who do you think you are? You know? And so we get a lot of that. And I think 
you know, there's a reason why many of us feel that we have to kind of minimize our greatness, minimize our light, because it can be very interrelating to the sort of power structure and the powers that be. So, you know, I think, you know, seeing commercials now, we have African-American women with big afros and, you know, it's okay to wear braids. We don't have to relax our hair anymore. I mean, there's so many parts of our identity now that are, are more embraced. I think in many respects, you know, thanks to, you know, the, the martyrs, uh, you know, of, of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and, you know, Ahmaud Arbery, all those who sacrificed and many others that remain unnamed in the Black Lives Matter movement has brought a lot more awareness to this. And it's like in the past year, I've seen more people of color on mainstream TV and not on the Black channel, you know, that are able to be in their Blackness and Black people bank and Black people go on vacation and all the things that I've known for years, but you never saw it in TV and commercials. I think it's a really good point, Howard, that we need to see more of that, I think, in, in television so that there's more of an awareness that like we exist and, and it's okay and it's good and it makes the world a more colorful and interesting place. Mm-hmm. Amen. I, I would, uh, I'd like to talk to you guys for several more hours, but I want to, <laughs> I want to honor, honor our time agreement. Um, tell me, tell us the, the second season, when is that going to come out? Uh, next season airs next year, uh, 2022 in the, uh, late summer, early fall. Okay. So there's plenty, there's plenty to watch now. There's your, your, the 13 episodes on PBS, and then there's three seasons on Amazon prime. And also people want to get like the full archive and all the background and recipes and vegan man, your old, old incarnations. (laughs) Where where can they go to, where can they go to find you? Uh, they can go to ConsciousLivingTV.com uh, and they can find, uh, as you said, uh, thousands of stories and recipes. And, uh, and then, of course, follow us on social media, on Instagram at ConsciousLivingTV and Facebook. Uh, and Twitter at Conscious TV. Send us a message. We reply. We talk to our fans all the time. I've met some of the most amazing people and some that have been featured on our show on Instagram, actually. So I, I love social media. Keeps us connected. Ooh, excellent. <laughs> well, it's, it's again, such a pleasure to connect with you guys. Haven't, haven't seen you in too long. I know. Maybe another vegan cruise. Is there another one happening this year, you think? I don't know. I'm, I, I want to go on. I want to go on a, one of these spiritual retreats. Yeah, yes, yes. I, I, I'm a little scared of buffets right now. I need. Yeah, yeah, right. I need something a little, a little more aesthetic. Yeah, I hear that. I hear buffets that. and cruises is a little uh, scary. <laughs> a little scary. Right the two yeah. combined. A little yeah. Yeah. Right, we'll, we'll walk a labyrinth together. Yes, yes, love yes, that. yes. Anytime. Such All right. Good, uh, so, so good to connect with you, Howard, and just love what you're doing and love plant yourself and. Just have to commend you for for just uh, sharing so many stories and so much light with the world, and just really grateful and honored to be uh, to be here again and to be part of your your world and your universe. Yeah, I think this is what the third time we've been on the show. Maybe I think I think so. Third or I like it. Third or fourth, I think you're right. Right. Well, you know, I'm realizing I just talked to you guys that I I need to. uh, It's it's like you were talking about, like you know, I do detox four times a year. I think I need conscious living conversations at least four times a year because i can get pretty down yeah, yeah. we all can yeah. and and you guys can help you guys lift me up because you don't deny the downness oh no it's it's a key part of the journey sometimes it feels like it's more down than up yeah, <laughs> yeah. that is yeah. the journey so <laughs> it's, this is de- this is definitely um you know balm for my soul so good, yeah, it's good. and of course if you want to detox you can also check out our 10-day conscious living detox on amazon we have a new book on on amazon that's available for people as well. So we can keep it going. even. Ooh, okay. I'll, I'll put a link to that in the show notes. And maybe we, maybe we got to get together in a month or so and talk about that book. Yeah, that would be great. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thanks so much. Love you guys. We love you too. Love, you, Howard. love Thank to you. everybody. <laughs> Bye. All right. The show notes for today's episode are at plantyourself.com slash 489, 489, only 11 away from that magic number 500. If you got any ideas for who you'd like me to get as a guest for that special show, let me know. Otherwise, I'll just keep them coming the way I have been, not really paying attention to stuff like that. But 500 is kind of a milestone. All right. So in garden news, we are um, engaged in a holding action against the Bermuda grass. Uh, I have wood chipped the main path and kind of ran out of steam a little bit with the clearing beds. So we're going to let winter do that for us. Um, Some of the beds are just uh, overgrown with weeds and that's how they will overwinter. And then we'll mulch them all down to cover crop uh, in the spring and then plant something nice. Uh, We also have a ton of greens, kale, broccoli greens, 
that came up in some uh, some beds that we really overseeded. It's just beautiful to see uh, all of them jostling for space and uh, they're they're finding their way into our cooking. Also got the very last of the cherry tomatoes. And so the summer garden is now officially to bed. In movement news, I've been a little uh, under the weather the last few days. I, I uh, worked hard on Saturday and did a workout on Monday. I'm taking it easy because, of course, we have the uh, ultimate world championships in Sarasota, Florida this coming weekend. So I'm just resting up in preparation for that. All right, time for thanks. Thanks to Will Ridenauer for allowing me to use his beautiful song, Sabali Don, The Dance of Peace. You can find more of Will's music at his website, willridenauer.com. And of course, thanks to all of you Plant Yourself podcast patrons. Kim Harrison, Lynn McClellan, Brittany Porter, Dominic Maurer, Barbara Whitney, Tammy Black, Amy Good, Amanda Hatterley, Mary Jane Wheeler, Ellen Kennelly, Melissa Cobb, Rachel Behrens, Tina Scharf, Tina Ahern, Jen Filikonofsky, David Bizek, The Mysterious, Michelle X, Elspeth Feldman, Leah Stoller, Alan Christensen, Colleen Peck, Michelle Landry, Josina, Sarah Durkis, Kelly Cameron, Janet Selby, Claire Adams, Tom Franza, Jeanette Benham, Gila Serk, David Donahue, Blair Cyber, Dorona Vizov, Gio and Carolyn Argentati, Jody Friesner, Misha Rosen, Michael Warbeck, Aviva Lael, Alicia Lemus, Val Lineman, Nick Harper, Bandana Chawley, Molly Levine, The Inscrutable, Harry R., Susan Laverty, The Panda Vegan, Craig Kovic, Adam Scharf, Karen Burry, Heather Morgan, Nigel Davies, Marion Blum, Teresa Copel, Julian Watkins, Breed O'Connell, Sharon Hirschman, Linda Ayad, Holm Hedegaard, Isa Tuzinwa, Connie Hainline, Aaron Greer, Alicia Davis, Heather O'Connor, Carolyn Jensen, Sherry Olakoski of Plant Powered for Health, Karen Smith, Scott Morani, Karen and Joe Crabtree, Kirby Burton, Teresa Carell, Kevin McCauley, Elizabeth Rothschild, Ann Jesse, Cheryl Dwyer, Jenny Hazelton, Peter W. Evans, Dennis Bird, Darby Kelly, Lori Fanny, Linnea Lundquist, Emily Iaconelli, Levy Wallach, Rosamund McAtee, Dan Picorni, Stephen Leenan, Patty Martino, Mike and Donna Kartz, Deanne Bishop, Billbury Elf, Marjorie Lewis, Trisha Adams, Nancy Sheldon, Lindsay Bayshore, Gunmarit Hagen, Tracy Gulledge, Laura Heaton, Meg for Mama Says, Stacey Stokes, Ben Savage, Michael Kay, David Hughes, Connie Rogers, Claire England, Sally Robertson, Paranganchi. Amy Daly, Brian Tourville, Mark Jeffrey Johnson, Josie Dempsey, Karen Schmidt, Pamela Hayden, Emily Perryman, Allison Corbett, Richard Stone, Lauren Vaught of Edible Musings, Aaron Hasty, Sean Owen, Sagar Nayak, Erica Piedra, Danielle Roberts, Michael Lushton, Sarah Johnson, Catherine Floyd, for your generous support of the podcast. That's it for now. As always, be well, my friends.